Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome back to another episode of Comments by Bravo. Hi, Em. I so get the winter house hype now. You guys were so right. What were we doing not watching it? Like so deeply right. And honestly, the way that I felt watching it is the same way that I feel many times watching Summer House of just like this young, fun, exhilarating energy. And in a little bit, you kind of feel like you're watching an OG MTV reality show. Like I was just so in on this. I guess my feeling was I saw a tweet from Ira Madison. I think I have sent to you many times. It's none of my business what my summer friends do in the winter. And that's really how I felt. Like for some reason, I wasn't feeling a gravitational pull to watch this show. But after maybe the first 10 minutes of the first episode, I was like, okay, I guess I'm spending the rest of the day watching this entire season so far. Yeah, I watched all five in in one sitting. I was hooked. (laughs) I I wanted to know what happened next, which like honestly, which we will get into. I not to say I wouldn't have liked it a lot regardless. Considering right now the way that I'm feeling about Salt Lake City, it definitely softened the blow of knowing that I had a Salt Lake City episode waiting for me, which like I'm just not down for at the moment. I think I'm just feeling like Salt Lake City is getting almost like a chore to watch and to get through. Like I'm constantly checking how much time is left in the episode. Whereas I blew through these episodes of Winter House and I was just having fun. The best time, right? The best. Just a pure joy. Wait, so let me explain how this episode is going to go down, which I know may feel a little bit like a tease, but I honestly think net-net you're going to be happy with this decision. So we realize that next week there's no new Salt Lake City and there's no new Winter House because of Thanksgiving. So what we're going to do for this episode is we'll talk about Potomac and Salt Lake City like normal and we'll throw in a little Winter House. Keep in mind we are recording this episode on Thursday for it to be released on Friday. Then tonight we'll watch Winter House. On Sunday we'll watch Potomac. And then next week, like earlier in the week than normal, so either Tuesday or Wednesday, 
we'll release a mega winter house episode, which is a recap of all six episodes, deep dive analysis, like all the things we're dying to talk about. Plus, I'm sure we'll talk about Potomac as well. But it's kind of the only way to do it, because if not, we only have one episode for next week and we want to be able to give you guys an episode next week and also be able to do it earlier in the week since obviously Thursday is Thanksgiving. So I know it's kind of annoying that we're not going to fully get into winter house now, but we are hooked like we are locked in and you are so right. I think it'll be better, too, because we have so much to say and I want to go deep because there's things I just literally want to talk about. Like, I don't even want to necessarily recap some of the episodes. Like, I don't need to talk about them going to a workout hit class, but the dynamics and the new characters and the old characters and the revolving door of like Tom and Tom and then this week, Lindsay and Carl is it's really unbelievable television. Well, what I wanted to say, and I know I'm sure we'll get into this more next week, just generally speaking, is to me, this is a way that Bravo has kind of hacked the system of being able to maintain not a smaller cast, but, you know, a a normal amount of cast members and then also have really exciting presences come in. Like doing this Tom and Tom thing, doing the Lindsay and Carl stuff, having these kind of like impromptu visitors or we get the feeling that it's impromptu, even though it's obviously not, I think makes it such a more enjoyable viewing experience. It's also crazy because at the same time, there are cast members from three, four different shows under one roof, and you almost forget because it's like, it's just like this crazy, mushed up world of presence that all interact because they're part of the Bravoverse. It's really just a mindfuck, and I am obsessed with it. I also have to tell you, and I know we will get into this next week, but I'm sorry. I just like need to say a few things. This to me was such an interesting look at Paige and Craig's relationship. Yeah. Well, it's hard because you know that they're like amazing in real life right now. Like I almost wish we had a little bit of suspense of like what would this mean for the relationship, but you don't know what went on. Like we were just seeing them be so happy on social media. So it's it really is a very raw and honest look that I was not expecting to be part of this season necessarily. I've never been in that situation where I'm in a group with my boyfriend and he's like really fighting with the people around me. But when she was explaining to Amanda, which obviously Amanda knows better than anyone, just how overwhelming and how like unsettling that is, I really felt that. Like to me, that is the exact type of situation where you just want to crawl under like a rug and pretend like you don't exist because it's so uncomfortable. We have to save summer. We're going to have no content for next week. So that'll be your cliffhanger for here. I'm dying to talk about it. What we'll do, I think what we should do as well, honestly, is we should we'll watch tonight and then we should record like on Sunday right after Potomac. So it's fresh in our minds, ready to go. Then we can release it like Tuesday, Wednesday, absolute latest, you know? Yeah. And if you're listening to this and you have like thoughts or topics or like little things you want us to pick up on and talk about because we are going to talk about everything so far, please DM it so we can get to everything. I think actually what we'll do is when we release this episode, let's put up a question box and then we right. can really – because you want to know something? I've, I found this. Tell me if you agree. People are so much more willing to say how they really feel in a question box than they are on DM for some reason. It's just an open invitation. Like, please share your feelings with the class. Right. And then people really do share. And I really love when people share because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go nitty gritty. Yeah. Okay. Everybody keep your eye out for a question box on our stories coming soon and – I can't wait to hear from you. (laughs) 
So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics Mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just want to pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not going to say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, Emmy, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it. And he was so right. Like I entirely lost it. So Rosetta Stone has been really helpful for me. So if you are in that same boat or you want to learn a new language completely, want to brush up your skills, whatever it is, I want to tell you about Rosetta Stone because they're the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. And it really kind of immerses you in the language that you want to learn. So first of all, they're the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. It's fast language acquisition. So they immerse you in many ways. First of all, there's no English translation. So you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language, which in my experience, I know I'm getting it when I start to think in the language. It's an intuitive process. So you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences, and it's designed for long-term retention. Also, in terms of speech recognition, they have a built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation and it's convenient. So desktop and app options with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. And it's an amazing value. You're getting lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone has to offer for 50% off, which is a steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. That moment when they're in the airport and Karen says hi to Sharice and then turns around and looks directly in the camera. <laughs> I absolutely lost it. It's like an episode of The Office or something. She cannot stand her. She can't stand her, but she continues to have that phony niceness to her face. And I don't know if Sharice ends up moving to the hotel out of the house, but I kind of hope she doesn't because... Her being unhappy in her living quarters, plus Karen having her own room and I think bathroom and them being under the same roof for all that time, like would make for such good TV because at this point they haven't even been like in the same room or the same conversation for more than 30 seconds. So the forced closeness, I feel like is just going to make them have the conversation and, and throw the shade that's been building up. 
Well, I also will say if she does end up leaving, then Lisa Hochstein can really take a page out of her book. Because you remember when Lisa raised hell at Larsa's Hamptons rental? I think it was good for Lisa, honestly. It built a little character and it proved that she can do hard things. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know Mia's good TV because she's so kind of performative in nature. Like I really do believe this is just how she is naturally and then probably turns it up a notch for television. But I am so not down for this mean girl thing she's playing with Candace and Wendy. Like historically, I would not say that I've been on Candace's side, but I am so team Candace this season. And the way that the majority of the group is getting such enjoyment for like playing her, I'm I'm not down for it. No, I honestly feel like this is kind of the season of Candace for me personally, because I've really felt so strongly against her in the past. And all of a sudden, this season, everything she's saying and doing, I am really on her page. There's just so much here in terms of moments where I'm very much team Candace. And I know we were just talking about Miami, which we will get back to. But just to jump back to when they're still at the burn session, I still this week was saying to myself, as Ashley, you are so bold for thinking that you are going to take this argument with Candace about her husband, who has historically never done one thing wrong, knowing the skeletons you have in your closet. There aren't even skeletons because they're out there for the world to see and thinking that this argument's going to land. I just think it feels not only hypocritical, but I, I agree with Candace when in this moment, I feel that Ashley's being very vindictive. That's the thing though. Like just because you have your own relation to this experience doesn't mean you should never say anything, but have a little like tact when you know how it feels, you know how you have felt. And you are on this journey with Candace to sort of repair your relationship, which by the way, I felt was going so nicely. And Ashley just like is two people because then they sit down and she can't help herself. And Candace is looking at her like, why couldn't you call me? Why couldn't you have told me when we sat down one-on-one -on -one or had these conversations and said, we're going to be really open and honest with each other? Like Ashley really flip-flops so much. Well, even when she's in the store shopping for Miami clothes with Giselle and Robin, and they're talking about the rumor that Candace brought up about, you know, Michael Darby allegedly seeing this male escort, even Robin, who it does not have it out for Ashley at all, says, yeah, Candace told me that a while ago, off camera, in private. And even in this moment, Ashley says, well, I still don't believe it. So it's like, if denial is your method of coping, I'm not going to judge you for that. I just think that you, you can't play both sides. You can't be so obviously in denial and then also so critical of someone else's marriage without being willing to you know, kind of like acknowledge what's been happening in yours. And I think for her, the way that she gets around it is that she constantly reminds the group of, you all have taken shots at my marriage. And it's like, okay, let's take that a step further. What are the shots that they're taking and are they rooted in reality? And most of the time, the answer is yes. And for her to also at the burn session say like, I listen, I process and I deal with these things and you just completely shut them down. Like maybe she feels that's true, but I also think Ashley shuts a lot of things down. And also just because that's how you react to hearing things about your husband doesn't mean that that's how everybody has to react. Right. And then after the burn session, when Candace, you know, has this one on one with Giselle and she says to her, I wanted to make sure I'm clear on understanding your feelings and where you are. And she asked specifically what made Giselle uncomfortable, which Giselle maintains, you know, it's nothing about what Chris actually did. It was just the general idea of being in a room with the door closed with the married man that made her uncomfortable. 
And now is where there's like these little discrepancies because initially Giselle had said when they were at the dance studio that Chris wanted to talk to her. She suggested going to her room because she thought her glam was there. Then she got there and realized the glam wasn't there. When Candace talked to Chris, Chris also said that it was Giselle who suggested going to her room. But here, when she's talking to Giselle about it, she says, you know, it was him. And now Candace is like, no, Chris says that it was you. And like, it's this back and forth, which I don't even like to really break down in this way, because I think that it is, I don't know, I feel personally, it's very counterintuitive to the way that we would typically handle a situation like this. Like if a woman says that she was uncomfortable, I'm not going to sit here and try to break down her stories and find the discrepancies in what feels like it could be a lie. It's just that in no part of this did she ever say Chris actually did something, number one. Number two, it's not even to say to discredit her feeling of uncomfortable because that can exist. And then also it can be that this doesn't need to be a, a thing where the entire season is now dedicated to taking down Chris, really to take down Candace. It's right. like I, there was a way to present this that didn't come across as just so intentional um, in a negative way towards Candace. Well, yeah. And that's what Candace, I think, was trying to get across to Giselle was like the malintent. Like, yeah, maybe situations or certain ways that things just happened to happen felt uncomfortable to you. But did you think Chris at any point had bad intentions? And every time that she was asked that, Giselle 100% said no. So I think Candace was kind of confused. Like, okay, maybe you guys ended up in kind of an awkward, weird, uncomfortable situation just because of like the formatting of the room. You're at a reunion trying to move and have a conversation. But you never thought my husband was trying to do anything or or any bad intent. Like, what, then what is, what is even the conversation here, you know? And I, I just think she was basically wanting to get to the point of like, you are bringing this up on camera in such a way to try and make me and my husband look bad. And regardless of whether the story or whatever is true or your truth or has sustenance to it, the way you have gone about this is not being like a good friend to me and not how it should have been handled at all. Yeah. And this is a prime example of when the show of it all can't be ignored. <laughs> you know, like right. there's a it's like so crystal out- clear, like you waited literally till the day the cameras turned on and you right. wouldn't hug Wendy at this spring fling party, but you like are ha- ha- running up to Chris and having such like a nice moment with him. But then as soon as it's time to, you know, play the game, here you are. Yeah, no, that that's the thing about Giselle, which is I think what we've admired her for in the past. She is a game player. And I can really appreciate that in a housewife. I think that I don't like it when it is now being directed at someone that in this moment really did nothing wrong. Like Candace has done nothing wrong. And I think that Giselle is getting um, an unfair amount of enjoyment by putting Candace in a, an uncomfortable position. Yeah, I agree. It's like, She's so good at this game. I just wish it wasn't about this particular topic or directed at Chris. Right. And again, I want to make this point crystal clear. Neither of us are invalidating her feeling of being uncomfortable. You can't tell someone how they felt in the moment. I just think if at the end of the day, she's going to say, Chris did nothing. It was nothing he did. It was nothing he said. He didn't touch me. It was just the idea of it. You can present that in a way where it's like, I want to get this off of my chest without painting it as though this was his goal in all of this. That I think is the disconnect. Yeah, no, you're so right. Also, switching gears for a second, what was Mia trying to do with this whole room assignment situation where she kept saying, I don't know where she's sleeping. I don't know where she's sleeping. And Ashley had to steal the little card to figure out that Candace was going to be in Wendy's room. Like, why? No, to me, when we as the 
audience know that Candace is going to be sleeping in Wendy's room and we're watching Wendy so innocently ask Mia and then Mia saying, I don't know, she's under this roof. It's like, you are now screwing two people and laughing while doing so. The whole thing had a little sprinkle of evil energy. Right. Like she wanted to have this big moment when Candace got there and she was trying to preserve that by not telling them, you know, like she wanted to create this drama and be like this dramatic host. And I don't know, it's like very calculated, but also funny to just see Ashley like steal it and put it under her shirt and see where Candace was going to be. I just think that one of the meanest things you can do to another person is like intentional humiliation. I I, I think yeah. that being humiliated is a really unfair emotion for a person to experience. And I think what didn't sit right with me is that I'm all for like, you know, fun and games. And even if it's like a little bit snarky, that's what Housewives is. But there was something about this that felt like Mia was getting off on knowing that both Candace and Wendy were about to be humiliated. And that doesn't sit right with me. Like, even if yeah. I'm not a huge fan of the person on the receiving end, whereas in this case, I, I actually have nothing against either Candy or Wendis. <laughs> Candy or Wendis. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Wendis. <laughs> or Wendis. I'm leaving that in. Okay. <laughs> oh my god, can I please keep that in? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <sighs> oh my god. Oh my god. Okay. And even in this case, I I don't have anything against either Candace or Wendy, but it that just rubs me the wrong way. And I hated how excited she was getting over that. It it was so not a good look. And I wanted to say, like, you really think you did something there? And she didn't. Because by the way, if Candace got there and she was like, fuck this, she could easily pull a Charisse. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Candace can afford to get a hotel room in South Beach at probably at the Faena. So I don't know who like this is what happens when these women plan these trips. They get on these power trips and you don't realize they are not stranded. If they want to stay at a hotel, they can easily get up and leave. And they're also like, we've played this game before, you know, like you, this is not how it worked. I'm not going to do that. And I think it's just not going to be the reaction that Mia is hoping for to have this big moment. I, I just don't think that's going to happen. No, I also think that, you know, Candace is very conscious of not necessarily giving Mia what she wants, which we don't know what's going to happen right. when, when Candace gets there. But you're not playing with someone who also doesn't play the game. That's what I wanted to say to Giselle. It's like you're acting as though you're coming for someone who has no ability to fight back. It's like Candace can be very strategic. I would say that Candace can probably do a better read than Giselle can. And it, Whoa. I, it, I, I don't know. I, I think that if Candace brought her confessional energy to real time, which I think she sometimes does, that shit is good. Yeah. No, I, I agree. She's – Definitely like on the same competitive playing field here. So it's a fair battle. Or <laughs> when Mia's FaceTiming Peter and, you know. <laughs> Peter, you can't just first name Peter Thomas. He's a cast member now. <laughs> when she throws in like, yeah, we're coming and Wendy's coming. He's like, well, tell Wendy I got beef with her. And Mia cuts to what? It's like, no, don't don't insult me with that. Right. And then boom, the two of them throwing drinks at each other at dinner to be continued. Right. Like so dramatic. I also so. saw uh, on TikTok, you know, that guy that goes around and interviews people on the street and is like, who's the most famous person you have in your contacts? And then yeah. once they say it, they're like FaceTime him. Peter Thomas's son 
was I have to find the video. Peter Thomas's son was one of the guys, and he's like Peter Thomas from Real Houses of Atlanta, and he's like, no way, Facetime him right now, and he Facetimes Peter, and he's like, hey, I was like, no you way. are everywhere. I thought yeah, you were gonna say, I thought you were gonna say all of the women in Potomac's answer would be Peter Thomas because all they're doing is talking to him, like Wendy <laughs> and Mia, like everyone's just always calling Peter Thomas. I know this must be a real ego boost for him at the moment. I wonder who the most famous person in Candy's contacts is. Candy Burris? Yeah. Like Beyonce oh. or Kelly Rowland, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like she, Diddy, Usher. Totally. She is, in her own words, worldwide. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Okay, so I wanna talk cookware for a second because I haven't told you guys about this company and I recently tried their products and I fully understand the hype now. So they're called Great Jones and they make really high quality, thoughtfully designed cookware that also happens to be beautiful. Like I know it's kind of a weird way to describe cookware, but you'll see what I mean when you go on the website. In terms of colors, they have your classic black and white, but they also have pinks, greens, yellows, blues, just like really vibrant, fun colors. And everything is non-toxic. So they have, you know, Dutch oven, ceramic dishes, non-stick sheet pans. Everything is non-toxic to me. That's huge. And we all know, like, I'm not the biggest cook, but I have my staples. And I got originally from them, the Fry family, which is the eight and 10 inch ceramic non-stick pans. And they're just great. I got them in the white because that matches the best with my kitchen. I love cooking on them. And I also, I know, again, it sounds kind of weird, but I love the way they look in my kitchen. And the thing is, once you get these, you're going to want to get them for your friends. So they make incredible gifts for weddings, housewarming parties, birthdays, whatever occasion you need. It's a great gift. Upgrade your kitchen and replace those old rusted hand-me-downs with bold, beautiful, long-lasting pieces from Great Jones. Get started today at greatjones.com and get an extra 15% off your first order with promo code CBC. That's greatjones.com, promo code CBC. I would like to start with a tweet I saw from at Jesus Jugs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> which said, my friend said Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is really a parody show of the Real Housewives franchise and I can't stop laughing. And I read that and I was like, you know what? I think that is a perfect way to put what I'm experiencing at the moment. They're just going in circles kind of. And I feel like we've said that many times about this franchise and others, but I'm finding myself a little bit confused. And there's a lot of new characters who I don't know that are now players in this game. And also it's hard because all the relationships that we thought were stable, basically Heather and Whitney, are completely flipped on their head. And I just feel like I'm having a really hard time as a viewer watching and enjoying this show. 
yeah, I feel like I'm just in a constant state of what is going on. And I saw this back and forth between Lisa and Meredith on Twitter, which I wanted to quickly read because Lisa was doing the after show and the Real Houses of Salt Lake City tweets, Lisa reveals that Meredith, Jen, and Heather invited a man that they thought she had an affair with to Whitney's party in season two. Meredith responds, at Lisa Barlow, I knew nothing about your affair with the man that Whitney invited to her wild rose party at the time of the party. The first I heard about that affair was months later from Whitney. You cannot hold me responsible for something I knew nothing about. Lisa says, there was no affair. That's why it's so gross. And you're on camera saying you knew he was there and the intent was exactly what I explained in my video. Whitney invited him, but you all knew the intent. And Meredith, in all caps, says, Lisa, I knew nothing about that man or anything about you having an affair with him at Whitney's Wild Rose Party. Whitney said you had an affair with him months later to me. That was the first I heard of it. Meredith responds, no, Lisa, not unhinged, but I am tired of the perpetual lies about me. I did not know anything about that man or any affair you had with him or anyone else at Whitney's Wild Rose Party. I had nothing to do with him being there. And Lisa says, don't worry, I'll request a reminder of footage. I'm busy working, so no more at, please. And I saw that. And I'm like, okay, typically this would be <laughs> tea. You know, I'd be reading this and be really interested. And I'm reading it. I'm like, what the fuck are they even talking about? What was the wild rose party? I don't I don't know. I don't know which guy. Is this the guy that she apparently slept with because of Vita or because of the jazz tickets? Like I just I can't keep track. And it's almost like they are pulling out all these classic plot lines like yeah like a parody of saying we need to fight about cheating rumors we need to fight about friendship in this specific way and I'm not invalidating their feelings at all I think a lot of them do have very strong feelings about things and they care about these friendships to an extent but like what I I just they're losing me here no they're they're definitely losing me I mean keep in mind this episode is coming out the same week that we see the footage of Jen Shaw released by an onlooker of her getting into a screaming fight with an unknown party on the streets of Salt Lake City. Wait, that was so crazy. They basically, someone who was, I guess, passing by took video on their phone of Jen screaming and cursing to people who we don't know who they are. It's unclear whether they're like her friends or people she met or a mix of both. But just having an absolute Jen Shaw freak out with no cameras around and no other people around. I mean, it's classic Jen behavior from what we've seen. But just to see her in that like quiet environment still acting is exactly like we see her on the show is really almost validating for her that she's not putting on an act, which I think we even have accused her of in the past. But it also just proves like the stress she must be under because she's going to be sentenced basically a month from like two days ago, right before Christmas. I I can't even imagine what is going through her head. It's December 15th. I mean, we've been talking about this for such a long time now. And it was almost like the goalpost was being moved because the dates were constantly changing. First, the trial dates changed a million times. Then she pled guilty. Then her sentencing was changed multiple times. And now what seems like is going to be the final date of sentencing, which is December 15th of this year. I feel like we we as a collective whole haven't even really processed what that means because I don't know if you'll agree with this, but I almost feel like even though the crimes she committed are very serious, it's almost been memefied a little bit, almost like the idea of, quote, Jen Shaw, the criminal, has been made into a meme. And I'm now sitting here realizing like in less than a month, her fate is going to be decided. And it's so, I don't know. I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that. 
Well, I think a lot of that has to do with her attitude towards it. Like she has almost memefied it. I mean, not to say she's not taking it seriously, but I almost feel like the way she's coping with it is to really lean into like the internet and the fans and the culture of free Jen Shaw and the t-shirts and things like that. Like I just saw a video of her that night that she, I guess, was like kind of crashing BravoCon and was in Teddy's room. Remember that whole weird thing? Yeah. There were like fireworks going on outside and she's like dancing around like free Jen Shah, free Jen Shah, like Jen Shah's innocent and just laughing about it. So I just think the internet and Jen have both been feeding off of each other's energy and almost making it less serious. So then when just now you said a month from now, we will literally know whether or not she's going to jail. Like the joke is over. I know. It's so wild. That's wow. what I'm saying. That's really I, fucking with me kind of. It's fucking with me as well, especially because we know that. And then also we're watching this week, the episode where Sharif is sitting around the table with the rest of the men, basically having like a prayer circle for what's going on. And at that point, she was maintaining her innocence to everybody and to him. You know, it's like what has transpired from when this show wrapped filming to now is a whirlwind. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. People have so many different hacks for getting a good night's sleep. And it's not to say that those don't work, but I really think you cannot discount the power of just good quality sheets and how much that can transform your sleep. I told you guys about these before, but as far as I'm concerned, Bowl and Branch are the best sheets on the market. And I think for me, the thing that like makes them so good is that they're really soft and luxurious while also being breathable. So they kind of work in all weather and their signature sheets are their bestseller. They come in 14 versatile colors in all sizes from twin up to California King. I have them in the color stone. I have them in the color mineral. I have the waffle blanket. I have so many things from this company. Everything is just quality. And their sheets are made with the finest 100% organic cotton and completely free from toxins. Also, they said this, but I didn't really get it until I started using the sheets. They do get softer with every wash and you'll see that. I've gotten these as gifts for so many people and every single person has been a repeat customer. And there's a 30 night worry-free guarantee. So you can wash style and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them, you can send them right back. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bolin Branch. Get 15% off your order when you use promo code CBC at BolinBranch.com. That's Bolin Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com, promo code CBC. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I still don't have a better grasp on whether I think Sharif knows or how much he knows. I know we had an in-depth conversation about that a week or two ago, but I got to say, he's just such a little mensch. Like, I just really feel bad for him because either way, this just doesn't turn out well for him. And I just feel bad so sad and bad about all of this for her kids too. I mean, we don't get to see them, but I'm sure the sentiment is very similar. And even seeing this where he thinks that there's even a prayer of hope that 
things will go the way that they want or that his wife will, quote, maintain her innocence and all of the other men like rallying around him. I also don't think it was hitting them yet, but it just like was so sad knowing what we know now. I know we discussed it in depthly last week and I agree. It didn't give me a better sense this week, but I think I maintain what I said last week, which is I really don't think he knew. I, I just, I just don't. I could be wrong, but I just don't. I just don't either. Oh, that's a little bit of a change. You weren't sure last week. I can't, I literally can't make up my mind because I just think that she can be super manipulative, but I also think how does that like go unnoticed and how, I don't know. I have so many questions and I honestly think it's not fair because we don't know enough about them. Like we've only been in their homes for three seasons, which is nothing. And also I think they are very, as much as they give us, they're not super like open and they're talking about a lot of things, but not everything clearly. Like the whole image that we knew of them was a complete fraud. So I just I just don't know. Like I, I wish I could have the answers and be a fly on their wall for one day and understand their relationship better, understand their past and their history better and their financials and like their relationships with their friends and families in a different way. And I just feel like I don't have enough to supplement any of my theories. Yeah. No, I get it. It's it's a shot in the dark. I mean, you have to that's the thing about having a podcast like this. You kind of have to say something out loud knowing there's a really good chance that you're going to be wrong, but you know, just having to share those opinions, which is why I'm saying I still don't think he knew. But we'll we'll see. Maybe we'll, we will get that answer at some point. Yeah. I don't even have a definitive answer because it changes every second. Like I'm watching this and I'm like, "Oh, Innocent Sharif had absolutely no idea he was bamboozled." And then other times I'm like, "Oh, he knew everything and just doesn't want to be involved and Jen is protecting him so he can be there for the kids." So my opinion changes every second, and I'd love to hear everyone's theories and how they feel, too. Very awkward between Seth and John. Very awkward. Like The whole husband's dinner was just funny because they are so mirror images of their wives in a way and the way that they like communicate and deal with things. But I, I felt bad because I think Seth really was willing to like talk about it and move forward and hated the awkward energy. And you could tell how much Lisa was in John's head, like giving him that perfect sort of rebound defense served on a silver platter. Like, well, you also know Meredith was talking about Lisa and all these cheating rumors. And Seth's like, what? Like, we're not even talking about that. And by the way, when you roll back the footage, Meredith wasn't talking about all these cheating rumors. I mean, I know the tweets you just read say otherwise, but it it just it had one had nothing to do with the other to me. Right. It's like I was watching this and what I wanted to say is hot mic moment aside, because of course that's a very real thing that, you know, they have to work through. Everything else you're talking about here is Whitney's fault. <laughs> like the only right. reason it's not so complicated in my eyes is because of Whitney. And also it was like, oh, Lisa called my wife like garbage, whore, trash, said I can't keep a job, talked about my children, our family, every possible bullet on the list of things you could say about us. And John's like, oh yeah, well, Meredith said that Lisa might have cheated on me before. And he's like, uh, do not see how these things just feel a little bit unmatched. (laughs) No, I know it's true. But when you said that you can see how in his own head John is and how in his head Lisa is, it was so evident in this moment, because I do think that on some level, it's not that he's following a script, but he knows very well what he can and cannot do. And he takes that job seriously. All I can think about is when Lisa filmed an Instagram story with her son, Jack, and 
she was like mouthing the words as he talked because you could tell that they had like practiced it and whatever rehearsed what they were going to say. And she's just in the corner being a stage mom, like, because she knows what he's about to say. Like, that's just how I feel like she operates all the time. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. That's why I don't think that she's necessarily right, but I love the woman. Cannot get enough of her. Think she is off her rocker entirely yet. Never want her to leave my screen. I, I so agree. And her on Watch What Happens Live, it was really iconic this week. And she made so much good social content and was like telling everyone not to be disappointed she wasn't nominated for a Grammy for her choir singing. Just icon behavior. Yeah, no, she kills me. I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at this outline. I'm like, what the hell is going on? But okay, let's let's just try to get through this. First of all, I want to talk about Heather and Lisa's conversation at the choir practice because (laughs) I saw a tweet that was like, as the conversation got more and more intense, the music got louder and louder. And it was so true. (laughs) They did that on purpose. It was amazing. It was perfect. I don't know. If I'm Heather, I am so pissed at Whitney. Like if I'm Heather, I would say 90% of my anger is directed at Whitney because I almost feel like she just comes in and messes everything up. Yeah. Whitney just comes in and like she can't really let things go and she's very stubborn. And I'm not saying she should be a pushover by any means, but she doesn't make any of the situations easier. She always adds a roadblock and she always adds like the sprinkle of tension on top that's enough to like blow the whole thing up. Yeah. And I think that if I really had to boil it down, it comes from the lack of clarity with which she operates in every single arena. Like, I don't believe that regardless of the conversation, she's ever delivered a point in a fully straightforward way. I I saw something that was like, (laughs) Winnie has never fully recovered from Mary's little girl read last season. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, I honestly think that's true. I don't mean to I don't mean to sound like a hater. I think that Whitney is a good person and I think she's really going through some serious shit. It's not that at all. It's just like I think there's one thing if you cause issues with your own friendships, like, you know, that's that's on you. But I feel she's now making it worse for Heather and was making it worse for Meredith. And that's when I feel you have the right to feel a little bit annoyed. I almost feel like she's having a Lisa Rinna effect where she's so caught up and almost like a little paranoid and reading so far into the rumors and he said and she said and these theories and like these whole things and everyone's like, just like kind of chill out. Like there's not all these big conspiracies all the time. Like it's just, everyone's just living. Like let's just relax here. And it's almost costing her or has cost her her friendship with Heather. Here's my question to you and to you guys listening, not to deeply oversimplify things, but don't you think at this point, if Heather really did hear those rumors that she would just say it, like, what is the need for her to hold on so close to the vest for that? Because she's already looks terrible in the eyes of Lisa. So it's not like she's trying to keep the peace with Lisa here and her saying, I never heard that is now keeping it because maybe that could have been the reason initially but clearly that's no longer the reason because Lisa already doesn't believe that. So to me, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I don't think at this point it would be worth it for her to continue lying about that. Yeah, I guess like my initial reaction was, oh, she wants to keep more peace with Lisa and not pile something else on. But even in their conversation this week at the choir practice, it feels like Lisa is almost 
not begging, but kind of pushing more for their friendship to get back to where it was, which is a power dynamic I never saw coming. So aside from her trying to like maybe protect Lisa and not want to look bad in Lisa's mind, I guess not get involved in the mess or honestly, maybe she just didn't hear it or wasn't aware of it because it's like, why would she also make Angie and Whitney look like liars? You know, like, yeah, she, her saying, I never heard that. It's like now they're having to almost say, yes, you did. Yes, you did. And it's making them also look bad too. And having a fracture in those two relationships, which she seems to care a lot about, I guess Angie doesn't care as much, but Whitney definitely cares. Well, the the thing that I will say regarding Heather is that last week I did feel she had a suspiciously underwhelming reaction to the whole Finsta thing. I know it wasn't the first time that she was hearing about it, obviously, but I don't know. It just felt like she was downplaying the bizarre nature of this woman's husband creating a fake account to shit talk Lisa Barlow. Like I get if I'm Jen, why I was a little bit pissed almost at Heather's like lackluster display last week. So it just makes me think, what is this loyalty that she feels to Angie? Which let me also say, a lot of people are floating the theory that Angie is a silent investor in both Beauty Lab and Laser and Wild Rose Beauty. Yeah, that's fair. I actually just saw a Insta story of Angie and Heather hanging out with one of my like favorite Mormon Utah influencer moms, Emily Jackson. So that I thought was interesting, like from today. I just feel like we as viewers had a more passionate reaction to finding out about this Finsta than Heather did. I'm sure, again, that she probably knew, so she was sort of sitting on it. It wasn't like the first time she was hearing about this, but you would think if you're Jen or if you're Lisa, the Heather we know would be like, what the fuck? What a like freaky, weird thing. This is so messed up. And she just was sort of like, yeah, but didn't he apologize? Like, you have to forgive and move forward and let go. And it's like, what? Hold on. Let's like back up 400 steps because this is really weird. Well, right. And my thing is that even if you heard this a little while ago and you heard Angie really feel bad about it. So you have, I don't want to say forgiven because it's not your issue, but you've kind of moved past it. I still think you have to give grace to Jen as your friend and Lisa for like first hearing this. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, I don't know. For, for someone who has historically overreacted, meaning Jen, I would say this was not an overreaction. Like this was a very bizarre thing that she was now roped into by this you know, deeply insecure man who loves to get involved in his wife's drama that, yeah, I was expecting more of like an acceptance of the reaction from Heather. I don't know. That whole thing was so weird. It was like almost a little gaslighty to be like, yes, have such a chill reaction to it and not, and not make them feel like it was warranted to be like, oh my fucking God, this is the craziest thing ever. Like, are you not understanding how crazy this is? Which then I'm saying to myself, okay, but I still think, you know, even all of that included, Heather is hands down the most sane person on this entire cast. And it must be exhausting to her to like constantly be in the mix of this, but she's friends with Angie. So it's not even like she's downplaying it because she doesn't want to get involved with that. She seems to really like Angie. I know. Heather is so sane and does like everything she's saying. I usually agree with, and I think she has great perspectives, but I think she gets really caught up. 
and it was never more apparent than in this episode. I mean, even with Lisa and with Whitney and with Angie, like she just gets so consumed and Jen, so consumed by the friendship and the logistics and the tiny details of like things that people say to her and how she's going to play it that it, it makes me worried for sure. Yeah, I this is just all over the place. Honestly, and I never say this, I'm grateful that they're off next week because <laughs> I need a moment to gather myself. And also, as I said earlier, the decline of Salt Lake City makes me even more enthusiastic about our newfound obsession with Winterhouse. Yeah, the mid-season trailer dropped for Salt Lake City after the episode. And honestly, except for finding out, I don't even know if we find out how Heather got a black eye and that like mysterious footage they put in there. Nothing was really standing out to me. So I hope the rest of the season just maybe will pleasantly surprise us. Yes. <laughs> Is there anything else that you would like to mention? I think that's it before we head into our Thanksgiving week. Okay. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening and letting us do this. And we will be back early next week, probably Tuesday or Wednesday with the Winter House Mega episode. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern, effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Free to Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.